from now until we get into heaven, we're going to fall short on a day in and doubt basis. We're going to need the blood of Jesus to cover us in the grace of Jesus to reconcile us back to him. This is the Uncomfortable Truth. Hello and welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth. This is episode four of season five. We appreciate you being here. Have you ever been busted in a little white lie that just didn't mean anything? Like just a little white lie didn't hurt anybody, didn't really mean anything, but you might have told a lie and then you got busted. for For no other reason. Like I've done that many times. Yeah, me too. Like in and in my mind, I've thought, I, I, did that. I haven't been busted a whole lot. Yeah, but I have in my mind thought, why did I say that? Like, and I and I want to go back and correct it. Yeah, but I'm like, but too, then too far in. Yeah, exactly. I'm too far in. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> definitely. The, the uncomfortable thing, the uncomfortable part of this intro is that uh, our kids have no chance with my wife. She, she's a lie detector. Oh, like a human lie detector. <laughs> and they, not all of them have figured it out yet. I told my son the other day, I said, just assume that we already know. <laughs> just assume that we already know. He came outside. It was 916 at night. Courtney and I are sitting on the patio. And uh, I'm not I'm not singling out my son here because I've done this same <laughs> honky-tonk kind of bull crap. But he comes out and... He, his bedtime is nine o'clock, and we're pretty strict on bedtime, but not like, not like super drop, super strict. Drop dead, you right? Know, yeah. But it's like, hey, it's uh, it's getting close to nine. Get your showers uh, if you're gonna pack your lunch for tomorrow. You know, do whatever you need to do, and then make you know get in bed if it's nine o five or nine ten, whatever. So nine sixteen at this nine sixteen. Courtney and I are sitting outside. I think there's a there's a football game on. It's Monday night, and he comes out, hey, I'm I'm going to bed. Get showered, you got all the stuff done? He's like, Yeah, I've been laying in bed and I'm just I just wanted to come tell you guys good night and I'm gonna go back and get my bed. And Courtney's like, she looks up at him, she says, You haven't been in your bed. She wasn't even look he wasn't even they weren't even making eye contact right. when he told this fib. <laughs> she was watching the TV. He was behind her, hugging her. I'm just got out of bed to come give you a hug for and she says, you weren't in your bed. And I'm like, he wasn't, was he? And he, he looks at me and he's like, no. I was like, it was a good learning moment. It's like, what was just, he doing? On, probably on his iPad or yeah, something, yeah. you know, probably playing Fortnite or, you know, whatever. But again, it's like. It well, didn't really matter. It wouldn't have mattered. He it, thought he yeah. might have been in trouble if he wasn't in his bed because that's the common thing. Right, right. And it, it was a little after nine. It was a learning the... moment where like, hey, but just tell the truth. Assume that we already know. <laughs> exactly. It was uncomfortable. That is uncomfortable. But uh, we've all been busted in those little things before. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And uh, most of those times, I would, I would think the majority of those times have been from our parents, you know. Yes. Uh, because, you know, you do, you do that more – when you're a child, you learn, mm-hmm. you know, you, you learn that it's not worth it, but we obviously don't learn enough because well, there, I remember, there's times where we continue to do it. Yes. I remember like really evaluating myself probably four or five years ago on just the little white lies that I would tell, um, especially like when I worked for somebody, which I 
have worked for myself for a while now, but when I worked for somebody and they asked me what time I got to work that day, right? and it was like, wow, you know, you knew you were late. You're supposed, and the thing of that I would, where I really evaluated was the thing is, is I would, I would still give myself up, but I wouldn't give myself up all, all the way. So if I got there at eight twenty and I was supposed to be there at eight, I'd say, I was a little late. I was there at eight Oh five. Right. It's like, and then you start thinking about, well, why do I do that? Yeah. And when does that, and when do I, does that line stop getting pushed? Yes. You know? Yeah. So I made a conscious effort to stop doing that. Yeah. It's like, why, why, why do it? <laughs> it's just something that was created in my head from a young age, like my son that I just continued to do throughout. The, it didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. And obviously there was times in your life where you got away with it and right. no one was the wiser. Yes. And it's like, didn't hurt anybody then. No. You know, well, well, no. I mean, what's it going to hurt now? <laughs> I really got busted one time. We we use that intro on on the next episode. We're gonna open up. Uh, Obi's gonna open us yeah. up in prayer, and then we're gonna talk about this uh, book by Max Licato. Yeah, he gets us. Yep. Right, Obi. Lord, we just thank you so much for bringing us here safely. Uh, getting a little rain today, Lord. We thank you for that. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for this platform. Uh, we pray that people would hear it, listen to it, share it, and um, and that there would potentially be a seed planted for your kingdom at some point along uh, the path of, of our discussions that we have um, on this podcast. And Lord, I just thank you for loving us. I thank you for your sovereignty. I thank you for knowing, uh, God, that you're in complete control. And we just pray that you will uh, continue to remind us of that and continue to just um, help help us spread the word of your kingdom. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so um, I like quick reads. Uh, I'll also di- I'll, I'll dive into something deep, you know, a big, <clears throat> a big, big book. Um, but sometimes I'll be in the middle of a big book and I'll just l- like get the squirrel mindset. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, that you know looks like it would be interesting, and then I open it and the words are big. And the pages are short, and I'm like, I can accomplish this. I can accomplish this pretty quick. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, maybe there's some nuggets in there because uh, I'm I'm always looking for nuggets. I'm looking for things that I can I can take with me. Application. And, yeah, and, and and apply it to my life. Well, also don't discount that. Yeah, maybe maybe we get a little squirrely. Yeah. But also, it's like when you're watching a, a TV series, and there's like. You get to there's like eight seasons and you get to season three and you're like God there's just a lull here this is not as good as it was right books are like that too yeah they are and it's like I'm gonna jump to the next one that's exactly so right. that I feel like I'm Staying, learning yeah excited about uh, continuing to learn and excited about reading and and uh, yeah just in how how we can apply that to our life like you said making it applicable um, it just so happened that Amy Amy saw me. Uh, digging through all my books like two okay. days ago okay. i was like throwing them out i'm like i've read yeah. that one three times i've read this one. <laughs> yeah. and and we're we're in a place right now where we're not um organized at all we're living in a rent house and oh we've got stuff everywhere we're so displaced um all right. normally i gotta take a detour here yeah how's that messing with i know you are super organized and Amy likes to be clean and organized as well. She does. How is that messing with you guys? What's that doing to your head? It's it's um, it's a, um, that's a good question. Like, 
I feel like that we're past the point of care. Okay. I feel like, so it's like, this is just where we're going to live for the next few months. You know, it's like. You're also building a house. Right. We're building a house. On the same like five acres. 300 yards away <clears throat> from where we're staying. And so that hope. Ah, that's good. This is good. That, the hope that, of the, what's the, to come. The hope of what's to come um, helps us endure the discomfort yeah. of what we're in. That, that's a good analogy. The hope of what's to come outweighs the pain of what's now. It didn't at first, but, <laughs> but it has now because we're seeing progress. You had to become comfortable in the uncomfortable. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah that's that's the uncomfortable truth. A little life know? analogy there. You had to get comfortable. It's actually something that I apply in a lot of areas of my life. I have that that saying on a wall in one of my office, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, totally, uh, you know, we keep going squirrel. Yeah, you know? squirrel. Uh, but yeah, your, your ability and, and even your desire to get uncomfortable being, or get comfortable being uncomfortable, uh, is such a growth. It, it when mm. you, re when you realize that that is how you should live your life, um, it's amazing to see the growth that can happen. Yeah. One thing that Dan, uh, Dan Orlovsky, uh, quarterback in the NFL for, I think 12 years, um, played for four different teams, came in and did an event. And uh, he he was like this spitfire of like one-off quotes that other people made that, that had impacted his life. So I don't remember who made this quote, but basically one of the things that he said during his speech was, life is hard. Life will continue to get harder. Right. The growth comes when we learn how to do hard things better. Yes. That's right. Because it ain't going to get easier. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. And so um, how are we going to deal with that? Mm -hmm. You know, it lead, leads in a little bit to what I wanted to discuss today. Um, I, this is one of my hot topics, one of my favorite topics to discuss uh, because it's ever evolving. It's always, it's something that there's some there's someone new that you meet daily that has started to experience the uh, the ups and downs and the reality that stress and anxiety can like put into your life. It can mm -hmm. put in what it, what it does to your mind. Uh, there's people there's people that have never like ex had any experience with anxiety before. Yeah, that just out of the blue. It, it entered their life and, mm -hmm. they, and they don't know what it is and they're like trying to put a finger on it and they can't figure it out. And there's people that have been dealing with it since they were young children. And then there's people that haven't started dealing with it until they were 60 years old. And yeah. it's it's like nobody, nobody at the time really understands what they're dealing with. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, the Bible – teaches us how to deal with stress and anxiety, anxiety in particular, you know, anxiety is, is kind of a con consequence of perceived chaos. Okay. So just, just that, that's, that's that, good. That's, that's kind that's of, good. that's kind of how a, how a psychologist may, um, you know, look at anxiety, you know, anxiety, anxiety is, is 
perceived chaos in our lives. Okay. Man, so, that's like pretty powerful. I mean, that's, well, that's, that's what it is. We, yeah. we have a perception of everything going wrong and it, and it may just be in one arena. It may mm-hmm. be in one area of your life, but at the end of the day, the anxiety is perceived chaos. And so, uh, what was interesting in this book and, and something that it kind of brought to life is, uh, these, these guys did a study on combat military, um, soldiers in world war two and the the neat thing about this study was they first they they studied two different groups they studied ground troops that were involved in hand-to-hand combat during the war and what they determined these are the guys um on the front lines you know these are the guys that are that are leading the charge into battle uh and very very potentially leading a charge into death and this study revealed that after 60 days of combat readiness going on the front lines and being in that war for 60 days that these soldiers usually at that point at the 60 day mark they became what what psychologists call emotionally it, they experienced emotional death so mm. basically at that point they had pretty much given up on on trying to control whether they lived or died whether they lived or died i watched i was watching watching this series band of brothers yeah that's a good one. Oh my gosh it's been around a long time but yeah, it's great but it's yeah it's good yeah. and there's a part in there where this this guy's like scared to death and can't move and he asked his captain his captain's just like all over the place just fighting no fear and he said what what do you do and he said simple i'm already dead he was emotionally dead yeah hey how about that's a perfect example after the 60 day mark um the the anxiety kind of left them because they realized after Mm. 60 days that they had no control they had no control over whether they lived or died. And that guy yeah. right there had already accepted the fact that he couldn't control it. And the thing about, you know, it, it's really not a surprise to, to think about a combat soldier on the front lines experiencing an emotional death after 60 days. Right. Like that's these guys. They're, if you're in if, it. If you're in it, you're, you're running into battle. It don't matter if you're running into it. If you're running out of it, it don't matter if you are down in a foxhole, you could die at any moment. I mean, you could step on a landmine. There's a hundred different ways that mm-hmm. you could potentially die that is completely out of your control. Mm-hmm. Well, the comparative was fighter pilots. They were comparing these combat soldiers to fighter pilots. And so... Um, the reality is that, and this was this was what the study revealed, is that the combat soldiers had a much much less likeliness likelihood of dying, um, like forty percent less. Wow. the The likelihood of a fighter pilot dying in World War II was a coin flip. Fifty percent. Fifty percent, and not and they and they and 
in the study on these fighter pilots is that they weren't experiencing anxiety. They were ready to go. Hmm. And the reality was is that a coin flip determined whether or not they were going to live or die. 50% of them died. Goodness gracious. So what's the difference? Why? It's no surprise. So it's no surprise that the combat soldiers, the ground troops, experienced an emotional death after 60 days. But it's pretty darn surprising that fighter pilots that basically their lives were on a coin flip scale, whether they were going to live or die, weren't experiencing any type of emotional death. And for all intents and purposes, they were fine with their jobs. What what did this reveal? Like why? They had a will. They had they felt like they had control. They had perceived control. They had perceived control over their lives. Even though there was a significantly higher risk of them dying, the perception in their mind was that they had they control, control over it because they chose where that plane went. Wow. Isn't that interesting? It's all about your perception. It's all about perception. Holy moly. So, you know, just to, you know, just to push that home even more, German scientists have have determined that your chances of a heart attack are 30% higher when you're in a traffic jam. All right, it's, I was just thinking about this. Dallas traffic. Courtney and I were in Dallas all weekend. This is crazy. German psychologist, not scientist. German psychologist. So we're in traffic, and most of the time, it's not stop-and-go traffic, but it's just heavy traffic. We went to a couple football games, so when you get near the stadium in Dallas, it's just it's just nasty. You're, you're slowing down to 30 miles an hour, speeding back up, slowing down. And the thought popped in my head, and this is just how my brain works. This is stressing me out. This is making me anxious. Why is it making me anxious? Because I feel like I don't have any control. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of that, when I'm driving through Dallas traffic and sometimes I go really fast and weave in and out like I'm a race car driver because I think the Lord created me to be a race car driver just never <laughs> had the opportunity, never had the money to do it. When I'm going 100 miles an hour and weaving through that traffic, you know how much anxiety I have? Zero. Zero. And, and, and maybe your chances of dying are significant oh, for higher. sure for sure they yeah. are i was me and a buddy were going and and that made me think of this and so this pinpoints why i feel that way i feel like i have more control when i'm going faster that may be the silliest thing that somebody's ever heard um one time i was going to dallas with a buddy of mine we were going to a rangers game i had a little bmw and i said do you want to see how fast this thing will go he said yeah we were going like 65 at the time so i threw it down in fourth <laughs> and hit about 140, and I look over, and he's white, about to pass out. <laughs> he and, don't have the will. No. His anxiety went up. Mine went down. Right. Because adrenaline took, takes over at some so, point. So, so you could say that anxiety increases as the perception of control is lost. diminishes. Yeah. Wow, Anxi man, that's good stuff, dude. Anxiety increases as the perception of control diminishes so, so are what, you saying that we have full control over our anxiety i'm saying that that so that again that's 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 where we're going 
we've got all these people that are experiencing this anxiety and they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And they think I've just got to take control of this. Mm -hmm. I've got to take control of this, you know, and, and guys like think about that for a second, you know, think about, think about controlling your financial freedom. Do you truly have control over your financial freedom? What if you're a millionaire? What if you have millions and millions of dollars in the bank? Are you going, is there a chance that you could lose it tomorrow? Yes. 100%. Yeah. 100%. What if you eat healthier than everybody on the planet? Everybody. You eat nuts. You eat all the right berries. You take all the right vitamins. Yeah. Everything that you put in your body is just the perfect diet. Do you think that there's a chance that you can still get cancer? Yes. 100%. We we can't we think, "Oh, I'm going to take control of this. I'm going to put everything in my body right. Oh, I'm going to take control of this. I'm going to make all this money so I'm not able to be touched. I'm not able to be touched by this anxiety." Yeah. I think there's a, I mean there's a there's a point where you can increase or decrease your odds, right? Based right. on how you act and sure. react and all those things. Sure. But the full control, it's not going to happen. It's an illusion. It's, it's, it's 100% an illusion. And you could say that's why, that's why control freaks are the most stressed out people on the planet. Mm -hmm. They're the most stressed out people on the planet because they're failing at the one thing that they're pursuing. Right. Which is control. Yeah. And they can't, they can't do it. They can't control it. And so, so it's like, you know, what, what do we do? What do we do? You know? And, and so I read this cool story, you know, when I was, when I was researching this stuff and looking it up and it was about this son, uh, whose father was a orthopedic surgeon, you know, and he, his father was a world renowned orthopedic surgeon mm -hmm. and he worked on people's basically he kind of specialized in knee and ankle injuries and um anyway people would come around from all over the world sports people and he would he would fix them up he would he would um perform surgery on them and fix their ails and um you know his son is 11 years old doesn't really know knows that dad's a surgeon mm -hmm. knows that mom always brags about how smart dad is and you know he's 11 years old right. he doesn't he doesn't really fully understand and um you know he's he's uh playing football and he twists his ankle sprains his ankle real bad and it's all swollen up and he comes home and and you know he uh he's showing his dad and he's crying he's really upset and and you know his his dad's like listen it's gonna be okay and he's like no it's not dad look at my ankle you know it's it's terrible and his dad's like i've seen it you know many times many mm -hmm. times it's going to be fine and he's like dad you don't understand it hurts really bad it's it's terrible my foot might fall off you know yeah. it's kind of what he's right thinking. yeah and the dad's like do you know what i do you know do you understand truly understand what mm -hmm. i do and he's like yeah dad you fix people you know you fix people and and he's like yeah uh i want you to come to work with me you know you need to come to work with me so he goes to work with them uh the next day and they're there and they're kind of looking over all the you know the cool things that he has in his office and he's showing him all his diplomas and mm -hmm. everything that he's accomplished well then the phone rings 
and it's an emergency surgery. And he's like, hey, come on, you're scrubbing in with me. You know, and so Sweet. the kid the kid goes and and he scrubs in on the surgery and he he's watching his dad performing. It's it's actually an ankle surgery mm-hmm. and he's fixing this guy's ankle, and <clears throat> the nurse you know is like sitting next to the son and she's like, "Your dad's the best surgeon in the world," you know. And she's like, "Telling the son mm-hmm. has no idea," yeah. you know, and he's learning all these new things about his dad. And anyway, he gets done with the surgery. The man whose ankle was just in shambles, it's new, it's fixed. Mm-hmm. And and the son, you know, just comes to this realization that my dad can fix things, mm-hmm. you know. And, and my dad, you know, he does know that his ankle is going to be okay. And so they get in the car and they're going home, you know, and his, and his, and his dad's like, well, what did you think about uh, everything that you saw today? And uh, And he said, he said, do you trust me now that your ankle's going to be okay? And, and his dad, and he's like, yeah, dad, I 100% trust you. I know, you know, and the fear just released. Mm. And, 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 you know, it related that to, uh, understanding that our father knows, Mm -hmm. our father knows. Yeah. And once you understand that our father knows, or that your father knows in this situation, the fear goes away. It, it, you, you no longer have to be anxious and worried and fearful of what's, of what's going on. And, you know, what I think is that most of our anxiety and the troubles that we experience in life are just like sprained ankles to God. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just like, they're just... It, it it's this is just a sprained ankle right you know yeah it, this is uh, i know what's going on and so yeah. how do we deal with anxiety in this desire for control well you have to understand one that we have a sovereign god we have a sovereign god who knows everything who desires good for our lives Mm. and the sovereignty of God is present every day in our lives and he wants good for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. And number two, you got to surrender it to him. You have to give him the control in your life. That's the hardest part. That's the hardest part. That's the hardest part is relinquishing the control that we think that we have. That's exactly right. And that's not a, that's an initial moment where you're saying, okay, I give it up. I turn from my ways, uh, Lord, come into my heart and be with me. And that's a daily thing. And And the thing is, is just like that kid didn't understand his father knew best. Yeah until he knew his father mm. okay yeah he didn't until understand he really knew until he knew him mm-hmm. and so it's like well he knew his father already right that's he right. lived with him right he, he but didn't, he didn't know he didn't know him intimately he didn't know he, him intimately he, he didn't he didn't know him to the degree to know that he knows if i'm going to be okay right. or not well our God does know. Mm-hmm. He knows every time. And like there's I moments said, and circumstances where we learn that more intimately, more intimately, more intimately. Like that wasn't the only moment with that father and son. There was a moment later and one after that. That's right. That's exactly right. But we learn through our experiences and well, our circumstances. You got it. You got it. Uh, at the end of the day, guys, we have a sovereign God that knows exactly. He is working together everything 
in the universe, in your small world. He's working together all of it for the good of those who love him. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it w- once we can accept that fact and accept that it, we want him to be in control, we need him mm-hmm. to be in control. Once, once we can relinquish that control, that's when the fear dissipates. That's when the perception of control falls back behind us and that's when we get to experience a joyful and less anxiety ridden life and so that's what i would encourage our 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 listeners today with is just um understand that control is not reality we have very little control in this life and understanding that but understanding god's sovereignty and that you want him to have that driver's you want him to have the wheel you want him to have, be in the driver's seat because when he's there we have much less of a chance of screwing it up yeah <laughs> you know i mean that's that's the way that i look at it and it's very difficult and i'm preaching to the choir because <laughs> i i struggle with it and it's why it's one of my favorite discussions and topics to talk about because i get to remind myself just like i remind anybody that might be listening that um i need to let go i need to let go and let god do his thing yeah so we all do all right read that book it sounds like a really good book he gets us by max lucado we appreciate you being here today hit those buttons at the bottom help help us reach more people for jesus go out and kick the day in the face and we'll catch you up we will catch you on the next one which uh is coming right up that's right